1: From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 98 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast, right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Gilio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. Episode 98, meaning we are two episodes away. From the big one, from number 100, our live episode. We're going to be doing it at Red's Restaurant in Carlstadt Monday, August 28th. We want all of you guys to come out. Jonathan Casillas is going to be with, there with us um, doing the show, taking your questions. We're going to have a pair of tickets, actually two pairs of tickets, to give away to Giants games this year. So we're really looking forward to that. A couple more uh, podcasts until then, but number 100 will be out live at Red's Restaurant. And hopefully, James, by then as the preseason will have winded down and we'll be looking to the regular season, hopefully by then we'll have maybe something positive to say about the Giants' offensive line, something will have sorted itself out because off of that first preseason game, you guys were there at MetLife on Friday against the Steelers. It feels like Groundhog Day, James. The same conversation, different year, Uh, though this year with this team there's bigger expectations that a bad offensive line could derail.
0: Joe, look, we might as well cut to the chase. I think there has to be a serious serious concern with Giants fans, with with the Giants, that this offensive line, we had a whole off-season of all this happy talk and this improvement. Look, it's just the preseason. Uh, As the Giants will remind you, they don't really game plan in the preseason. But at some point, this offensive line has to show improvement. There has to be clear, tangible evidence that progress is being made. And I you didn't see it on Friday night, really. And I just am wondering, at what point are people just going to say the line is what it is and it's not going to get better? And then the question's going to have to become, can the Giants contend for a Super Bowl with the group as is?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a worry. It has to be. And if you watch that game and a little bit of it, you saw it, especially early on. Dan, the offensive line right now, it's the biggest concern around the Giants. And Eric Flowers tends to be the biggest concern among the you know the the unit there of that offensive line it's just it feels like he's just not progressing quickly enough for the giants to feel comfortable there
2: yeah, and before we actually get into Flowers, I'm sure we'll you know dive a lot deeper into him. Uh, if you look back at Friday night, though, I think the biggest problem was the inside guys, and mostly Richburg and John Jerry. I mean, the, the tackles really weren't getting beat uh, you know, around the edge. The second team tackles were. I mean, that was kind of eye-opening for Chad Wheeler and Adam Bisnawati. Anyone thinks was, they're ready to push for a starting job, I think that was a little bit of a wake-up call. Uh, but on the first team offensive line... Uh, you know, the sacks were either a combination of Josh Johnson holding the ball forever in a day uh, or some pressure up the middle, especially Western Richburg. He he had a really rough night. Uh, I think he's a guy who's kind of flown under the radar and everyone's worried about extending him. He needs to show something this year because he took a big step back last season, but he also kind of got a pass because it came out after the year that he had, you know, torn tendons, I believe, in his wrist in the preseason. So he played with that all season. So that was like, oh, okay, that's why he took the step back most likely. And maybe it was, but the evidence on Friday night, uh was not great that uh, that he's going to turn it back around because he really struggled pass plays and run plays. He was getting pushed into the backfield. I mean, they could not run the ball at all. I think that's almost more of a concern uh, than the sacks because, again, a lot of that was Josh Johnson holding onto the ball forever. Uh, now, you can easily say that with Eli there and, and Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard, all these guys, when they, when they're playing, teams won't be able to tee off on the run. But still, it just feels like excuse-making like we had all last summer. Oh, don't worry. Once the game starts, it's going to change. And it obviously never did. And the fact that the same five guards are back, I- I've been saying this all offseason, the expectation uh, that they're going to suddenly you know, flip a switch and be so much better, I'm skeptical. And, and nothing Friday night uh, you know, changed that viewpoint. But it is early, and-, and we'll see how they go. These next two preseason games will be really telling. And, of course, nothing really matters till the regular season starts. But if you're looking for optimism – I've been saying all along, it felt like blind hope during the offseason. Oh, guys are working harder as if, you know, that's the difference between a bad tackle and a pro Bowl tackle is just work ethic. Um, I always felt that was blind hope. And really nothing I've seen this summer has suggested that this offensive line is going to be, you know, any noticeable amount better.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say that. And off of the first game, off of what you guys have reported and talked about it, At training camp, it feels like the same old story. James, when you look at what happened on Friday night against the Steelers, Dan was mentioning the interior there. I think it is easy to point to Flowers, and I did it to start this show, but Mm -hmm. if Flowers isn't the only concern, if they have more concerns in there or the rest of that unit isn't good to maybe cover up a little bit of what he is, that's a problem because I don't think they could survive if they have two or three spots there that are shaky.
0: Definitely. I think Dan hit on the nail on the head. Richburg is the guy that you really have to wonder you know, what, what is up with him because I look at right guard. I mean, look, the Giants knew what they were getting with John Jerry uh, when they brought him back. And another thing, and we'll see how Dan thinks about this, I have not seen anything this summer through three weeks of training camp and a and first preseason game that leads me to believe that DJ Fluker has a serious chance to win a starting job from John Jerry, from Bobby Hart, from anyone it seems very clear that the Giants view him as a backup, and he might be their their best backup. He might be the sixth man on the offensive line, but there's a big difference between being the first guy in and actually being a starter, and it doesn't seem like they're giving Fluker any real shot to win a job because, frankly, I don't think that he's shown enough to even deserve having a chance to win a job. So I think Jerry's going to be the right guard. Uh, he had a pretty he had a solid season last year. I think that you know, he's kinda gonna be what he is and the Giants knew what he was going into the year. Richburg's the guy who I, I think Dan's right, you gotta like last year he he got a pass with a hand injury. I will say I thought he got better as the season progressed. But last, you know, look, Friday night was not good. Irison had a nose tackle on him, and, and again, they might say that, oh, if we game plan during regular season, we we'll do some things differently. You know, and it kind of comes back to we'll talk with Flowers. It's the NFL. I mean, you know, you're starting offensive lineman. You're paid a lot of money to block the guy in front of you, and at some point, you know, he's going to have to do that. And if he doesn't do it, then you're right. Beyond Flowers and Bobby Hart, uh, the Giants are going to have more problems. And look, that that unit has to be you know talk about it, the unit has to be good as a whole but if you have multiple issues on that five-man line uh, you're gonna have a lot of issues elsewhere
2: yeah, i'll just yeah, jump you, in on fluker ahead, and yeah. then then we can definitely get the flowers which i'm sure is gonna be a longer conversation but like james said I, again it happens in every sport every team every fan base every organization in the offseason everything is great like dj fluker former first round pick oh they got him oh man he's gonna step right in there's a reason why the San Diego Chargers or Los Angeles Chargers now drafted him in the first round four years ago, picked up his fifth-year option, and then tore it up and just said, see you later, before he even got to that fifth season. That doesn't happen to good players. I mean, now listen, I'm not saying he's a bad player, and maybe if someone goes down, he steps in and is better than you know who you might have had on Adam Geddes or Brett Jones. Maybe. But the idea all offseason that he's going to come in and, and overtake Bobby Hart, overtake John Jerry—I mean, there was a realistic expectation maybe that he would push Hart. But they clearly view him as a guard. He really hasn't taken very many snaps at right tackle, and even the ones he has has been on the third team. So it seems almost more just to make sure he knows the plays in case he does have to, you know, step in there in a game situation. But uh, it's just—it's easy to get carried away with, oh, he was a first-round pick, and oh, he's huge, and he's so excited to be here. Well, there's four years on tape. We saw the offensive line market explode this offseason and yet DJ Fluker was available for a one year deal with one point five million guarantee. You have to keep that type of thing in perspective. The Giants front office is not that much smarter than the rest of the league or vice versa. The rest of the league isn't that dumb that they just missed this, you know, six six monster that was a first round pick and they didn't realize, Oh, what, well, you know, DJ flukers available. So that have to, that ex, those expectations should have been more tempered. Not that He's looked terrible this summer. He's looked up and down. He's looked like a guy who, you know, sort of like Eric flowers was a first round pick has never lived up to it. And, and the giants may be in the same situation with flowers a few years down the road where they might walk away from a first round pick the same way the chargers did. So I just think that, uh, it's hard to keep that type of thing in perspective in April and May when when everything's excitement, um, but now, you know, now that the kind of rubbers hit the road, you're realizing that DJ Fluker is what he is, and, and all along he was brought in as a backup because as soon as they signed him, they, they brought John Jerry back for more money, so made it pretty much clear where their plans were there.
1: Yeah, if that's the depth, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of depth there. It doesn't feel like there's a guy that, you know, usually the backup quarterback, we always joke about that as the most popular guy. I can't imagine many are going to be chanting for DJ Fluker to come in if there's a problem, but there's not much there. And James, at tackle, uh, Eric Flowers, the story of last year, the story of this offseason, the story of training camp so far, how much better can he get? And is his performance directly going to tie to everything else in this offense. I and mean, we know how important the left tackle is, especially with a quarterback like Eli Manning, who's not mobile at all. I mean, they need to block for Eli to give him a chance. And it just feels like flowers. Every time anyone talks about him, it's, it's never in a, yeah, you know what? He's about to turn the corner type of light. I, I never hear that.
0: No. And I think, you know, look flowers, there have been moments, this training camp where he's looked improved. All uh, right. No doubt about it. And he did play pretty well in the preseason game against the Steelers. I think pro football focus, you know, no sacks allowed, uh, no pressures allowed. That being said, the last few days at practice, uh, not so much. We're taping this on a Wednesday, not so much Tuesday, but Sunday and Monday have been really rough. I'm sure Giants fans have seen the videos out there. Uh, It's not been good. And I think at some point there has to be a legitimate concern of on the whole, I don't Feel that he's necessarily, yeah, he's taken some steps forward and he's taken those steps right back, and I just haven't really seen anything that makes me believe that this this whole summer, a uh, uh, spring of faith and all this training, and he's lean I, I just don't. It doesn't. So far, there have been no fruits of the labor that he, the Giants say he put in in, in the off season, and that has to be a major, significant concern. Maybe the Giants aren't panicking yet, but we're getting to that point. And they have to
1: be. I mean, this is their left tackle, one they spent a high pick on a few years ago. And Dan, I'm looking at the schedule now in front of me, and look, I don't think any team can survive if they have a bad offensive line, but the Giants this year in particular have a schedule that has a whole bunch of good pass rushing teams. I mean, you have the division, pretty much the, the strength of those defenses on the defensive line. You have the AFC West, which is Joey Bosa and Von Miller. You have Seattle. Uh, you have Aaron Donald, Los Angeles. I mean, the, the, the Giants, if they don't block this year, are going to be struggling in almost every single game, not just because it's important, because they're going against really good defensive lines.
2: Right, and that's why I found it you know, kind of laughable when McAdoo, a, on after Monday's practice said he thought the offensive line played well when I think anybody watched that practice would not come up with that conclusion. But, you know, he's clearly – he knows that unit gets beaten down, so he's certainly trying to, you know, build them up a little bit. But then he was asked yesterday, now that you had a chance to go back and watch the film, what did you think of Flowers' performance? So he can't just sit up there and lie and say, oh, I thought he was great. But he went with this nice spin of, I thought Olivier Vernon brought his A game. I mean, that that's great. Olivier Vernon is a very good defensive end, you know, one of the best defensive end in the league. But as you alluded to – Every team has premier pass rushers for the most part. I mean, and, and you look at this giant schedule, it, it is just about every team. So it's not as if he's going to, you know, have all these tough practices against Vernon in training camp, but then get to the season, it's going to be a cakewalk. I mean, because like you said, then Joey is coming and Melvin Ingram. And I know guys line up on different sides, but, you know, Von Miller will probably draw him at some point. And he's not going to be any uh, letdown after facing Vernon in practice. So uh, it was a nice spin, nice attempt there by McAdoo. The thing that strikes me about McAdoo, and, I, and he – Openly admits it, that he treats players differently. His line is, you know, I'm consistent. I treat every player differently and there's definitely some merit to that. Certain guys handle certain things differently and can handle public criticism. Other guys can't, but he just bends over so far backwards to never criticize the offensive line and flowers in particular that I would think at some point, if you're another player on the team, who's, you know, had a jab thrown at you publicly that the one that stands out is, is Paul Perkins, who uh, very rarely has any running room, but the one time he had some running room uh, in the preseason opener, he got seven yards and McAdoo said, you know, that can't be a seven yard run. He has to make the safety miss or run him over. And, and you know really it was kind of pointed criticism about one play that Perkins made and yet there's you know mountains of film of flowers getting beat like a drum and Neri gets a mention, and if anything he gets excused, and it's oh, it's it was it wasn't so one-sided, or oh, Vernon Brown's a game. And I'm just thinking, if I'm Paul Perkins, I'm sitting a like, coach, like, what about that guy? You know, I mean, he's the guy. He's the guy who's getting people stuffed back in the backfield. I have no reason to run, and you don't ever criticize him. And then I don't get a you know a 20 yard run, and instead I only get seven, and I get criticized. So that's just kind of an aside, but it, it stands out to me. It's interesting uh, how much the kid gloves treatment this organization gives to Flowers, and I think it's because they haven't given themselves any choice. I mean. Had they brought in a veteran tackle, and not necessarily an Andrew Whitworth, that would have been my, you know, number one priority this offseason, but even just, you know, uh, a veteran who has some starting experience who could have pushed Flowers, I I still think that would have done worlds for him because if he beat that player out, whoever you want to say it is, just any, you know, any veteran offensive tackle that was available on the scrap heap, even if he just beat that player out, you would say he earned it and and he was, you know, kind of put to task. But it just the fact that he just kind of was handed the job – I feel like the organization has to support it because they're the ones who didn't make any moves and it just doesn't feel like they pushed him enough. And now you're really looking at a situation where there's no backup plan. If if he comes out and is as bad as he was last season, again, where do they turn? And you hear so much talk. Oh, well, they have these different players. They added Red Ellison. I mean, he's not a sixth offensive lineman. Red Ellison's a good blocker. I think he's going to help more in the run game. But, I mean, he, if he's a tight end on the field and you're going to keep him in to help Eric Flowers every play, you're just taking a receiver out of the route. So uh, that can't be the solution to just, oh, we'll just put Red Ellison next to left tackle every play. So uh, it's on Flowers to play better. As James said, there just hasn't been much evidence this summer that he's going to be uh, significantly better. Maybe he marginally improves. Maybe that's enough. I mean, hey, they did win 11 games with him as a left tackle last year, but clearly that wasn't because of the offense. So I just feel like we're back at the same point we were when they left the field in Green Bay, that he was the biggest weakness on the team. They did a lot of things off, this offseason, but they didn't address that. So if there's an Achilles heel and you want to look for one, uh, that's the obvious place to start.
0: A couple things things, uh, what Dan said. One I just want to. Uh, this tweet I saw. Uh, Jeff Howe, you know Dan knows him well. Uh, covers the the Patriots of the Boston Herald. Uh, the Patriots are having joint practices with the Texans uh, in West Virginia this week. And he had a tweet yesterday. Marcus Cannon. And look, obviously Marcus Cannon is a better left tackle than Eric Flowers. So don't think anyone's disputing that. Uh, he owned JJ Watt yesterday in practice. And I would argue that JJ Watt is a better player than Olivier Vernon. So it, it is possible. For a left tackle to handle a star pass rusher in a practice setting, and everything is—it's not just Olivier Vernon that Flowers has struggled with. He's been beat, and people have seen film by Kerry Wynn, by JPP, by Devin Taylor. By I mean, he had Romeo Okwara in a chokehold the other day. I saw during a passing drill. I mean, it, it's not just OV. And this whole idea that you know—it's all excused. The excuse time has to be over for Eric Flowers. He was the number nine overall pick. And look, we can sit here all day and argue whether or not he should have been a number nine overall pick. And if this all doesn't work out in the end, it's it's on Jerry Reese more than it's on Eric Flowers, no doubt. But he's number nine overall pick. They chose him to be the franchise left tackle. It's his third year. He's been starting for two years. He's got his feet wet. It's time to go. And the Giants stands right. They've kind of set themselves up in this situation where – there's no real wiggle room. This is going to be boom or bust, in my opinion. If they had moved, if they had said last year, okay, Flowers really struggled. We need to bring someone in to compete with him, or we need to move his, change his position. Then I think they would have a chance to kind of work through it, maybe salvage, you know, everything. But the way I look at it now is, if Flowers doesn't make major strides this year, there's I don't see how the Giants can put him at left tackle next year, and then. Dan's right. with about DJ Fluker? I don't know if there's much of a future for Eric Flowers or the Giants. Because I feel like if you have three, you know, bombed years at left tackle, are you going to pick up that fifth-year option, which is a heck of a lot more money for a number nine overall pick than I think Fluker, who I believe was you know twenty-three or somewhere in the twenties. So. Yeah, it's just you're really kind of treading on on dangerous waters here, I think, with Flowers, both for the team's on field success this year and his future, his career going forward. But the bottom line is he's got to play better. It, excuse time is over. I, I don't care if it's Olivier Vernon, it, if it's anyone. He, he's got to be competitive against these guys, because if he's not, you know, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of pass rushers coming this year and it could get ugly.
1: So what do they do, Dan? I mean, we're we're all sitting here kind of shrugging our shoulders. It feels like the Giants are shrugging their shoulders. Is there a chance they go out and make a move for something before the season, whether it's a depth piece that you feel better about, and if they do have to make a move, they could put this guy in? Or is this is what it is, that the Giants are gonna go into the season and cross their fingers and hope things change?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it is what it is. It's funny. Anytime a you know a veteran tackle hits the market, I have a million people hit me up immediately on Twitter. You think the Giants are gonna look at him? And obviously you look into it but my pretty much my stock answer now is well they haven't yet so what why are they suddenly gonna change and, and try and go after this guy they they seem all in on flowers it would be tough at this point now if you were gonna bring somebody in because again talking about a guy who has kind of a, a fragile mentality you've made him the starter all season then all of a sudden all off season and then all of a sudden like three weeks into camp you're gonna bring in competition that would be a tough thing and and obviously the the caliber of players that would become available at this point, not going to be very strong. I mean, remember they signed Will Beattie, you know, right before the season last year and, and he barely even dressed for a game. So uh, the guys that are going to be available at this point, I don't think it'd be worth it because you are so invested in flowers. You believe that he will turn the corner uh, at this point. You have to ride it out. I mean, there are ways that they can, uh, you know, try to, to work around it. It is a quick strike offense. They do have more weapons as much as I, you know, I kind of poo pooed the Ellison thing. I mean, they will need to help more, uh, even if it's just chip blocks from the backs, or or keep a tight end more often than they did last year. They have to adjust to what they did. You know, last year they they stuck with the same thing as I mentioned many times, over and over and over again. I mean, this offense shouldn't be completely undone, you know, by flower struggles because you still do have some great weapons. The problem is at that position. One or two breakdowns a game can change the game. You can either a get your quarterback injured, which you know is the worst case scenario, but a blindside hit much more likely lead to a fumble, or you know you can knock the ball from the air for an interception. All sorts of different things like that. So that's the concern, and that's the problem with Flowers too, is when he gets beat in these clips, it's he's it's like. Vernon's running around a cone. I mean, it's there's no resistance. That's the bigger problem. Like, Bobby Hart at right tackle is not going to make the Pro Bowl this year, but he doesn't stand out practice in, practice out by just getting completely abused by JPP. I mean, granted, there's definitely times where he has a rough practice or he has a rough snap, but at least there's some resistance put up. Sometimes Vernon goes around Flowers like he's not even there, and that's the part that's really scary. I mean, we saw that a few times last year. I mean, the Dallas game at home sticks out where Manning just got crushed in the back because Flowers didn't even get a hand on the defensive end. Uh, so that that's really where he can derail the offense. Cause again, people say, Oh, it's only one or two snaps. You got to keep in mind in practice. They only, you know, throw the ball with the full team and uh, first team offense out there, maybe 15 times. So if he has three bad snaps in that, you extrapolate that over a full game. That's scary. So um, it's definitely a concern. Like I said, I don't think it's, it's enough to completely derail the offense. Cause they were able to win 11 games last year, but uh, it's, it's by far the biggest concern they have. And, and as I keep saying, I just don't see uh, you know really a a solution they have lined up if if he is as bad as he was the last two years. Two
0: things. One, I agree with Dan. They're not. There's one. There's really no one to bring in at this point. And two, if the if the Giants signed any left tackle today, all hell would break loose. I mean, ninety percent of the fan base would want that guy to be the starting left tackle from day one. And if that guy comes in and looks good, I mean, the, the Giants seem to have gone out of their way to be all in on Flowers, and they haven't really brought in any legitimate competition for him. And I just don't see the Giants suddenly, when, when, when things are kind of, when there's a lot big spotlight on the situation, thinking, you know, it's, it, it's, as uh, Dan said, you know, Ben never criticizes the offensive line publicly, really, especially Flowers, but you're going to bring in, you know, Brandon Albert or someone else. I mean, that's not, I can't imagine that would really help the, uh, you know, the whole dynamic of the situation. And back to Bobby Hart, the one thing I think the Giants can be optimistic about is that I do think that Bobby Hart has shown progress this summer. And I think that there is a good chance that he might be an improved player who's a serviceable right tackle. And that, well, that would be a big success for the Giants. I mean, he was a seventh round pick. And I do think, look, he's not going to be a pro bowler. I don't think he's going to be a standout. He's going to have his bad games, his bad snaps. But I've seen more progress from Hart this summer than I've seen from Flowers. And that has to concern the Giants. They have to be happy with what they've gotten from Hart, but also at the same time thinking, well, why aren't we getting this from Eric?
1: Of course. I mean, that, that's that got to be... I mean, uh, one guy is progressing, the other guy isn't. It, it's, it makes the other guy stand out. The one that isn't progressing does stand out. Before we get to some thoughts you guys have on the game other than the offensive line and where this team is right now. One last thing I wanted to ask Dan on this is, sometimes where there's one unit of a team or one player that's holding everybody back, everyone knows it. We talk about it, and I'm sure the players know it. Do you sense there's anything yet inside that Giants locker room that is worried about the offensive line, or this could become a constant, I don't want to say distraction, but a question that everyone has to be t- talked about, everyone has to be asked about during the season. Do you think we're there yet? Do you think we might get there?
2: No, uh, because again, they did win 11 games last year. And as, you know, as often the case, winning kind of cures everything in sports. Cause I can remember a few times last year, uh, you know, when the defense just repeatedly bailed out the offense and you'd kind of talk to some defensive players and they never once on or off the record point, the finger at the offense. That's a credit to them. The locker room really was tight last year. Uh, I mean, the only guy I think who would probably uh, maybe have the most issues is Eli. Cause he's the one who's, you know, the recipient of a missed block. He's the one who takes the brunt of that. And he obviously never, you know, throws a teammate under the bus. Um, so no, I think that's one thing they have going for him that there really hasn't been any of that finger pointing. I mean, they obviously can't be blind to the fact that it is, uh, you know, a pretty big weakness, But the fact that they were able to win games last year, I think it prevented it from becoming a major issue. I mean, if this team ever, you know, really struggles and the offense uh, is, is killing the team and the defense can't bail them out, I think you might see it then. Um, but I don't think we expect to see that happen just because the defense is so good and they do have enough weapons on offense that they you know, they should be able to you know, weather the storm a little bit of of having a uh, you know leaky offensive line. But uh, that's something to monitor, I guess. But it, the good news is for them last year that they were able to avoid that. So there's really no reason. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's bubbling under the surface or anything this year.
1: James, let's jump to some good things here or some different things outside the offensive line. We had the first game against the Steelers. Give me a couple takeaways other than this offensive line and, and the story it's become.
0: Uh, the defense looked great, picked up right where it left off. I think that the Giants, so there's a lot of concern coming into the preseason about the quarterback depth. I think, you know, the preseason game and in practices, Michael Hunter, I think they found a solid number four cornerback. I think that fifth cornerback still a little bit of an issue, but Again, I think the fifth cornerback is kind of low on the totem pole of, you know, as long as you have the fourth guy, which you need, because we saw last year, Eli Apple, Janoris Jenkins, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie all missed some time due to injury. I think they found that. I think that the pass rushing situation, there's a chance it's going to be much improved. You know, you've got Devin Taylor, Romeo Acquara, Kerry Wynn. You know, these guys are making a push. They're hopefully getting to a point where they're not going to have to have JPP and OV on the field for 90 plus percent of the snaps. Uh you know, linebacker situation. I think obviously the injuries right now are are, are a little bit of a concern, but, you know, Calvin Munson and Curtis Grant, two kind of unheralded under the radar guys have been having good camps. And I think they're mostly special teams players, but they've also flashed when they've gotten some first team opportunities some second team opportunities in camp as well. So that's my big positive. I think the defense is still going to be at, you know, one of those top 10, top five units, and that's going to help them, you know, kind of overcome a lot, I think, if they have issues with the offense again. I think Red Ellison's another a positive mark. Obviously, he was brought in for his blocking. Uh, he's impressed me this summer with his ability as a, as a pass catcher, and I think that he might end up being more of a weapon than anyone ever expected. So that's my positive stuff. Obviously, the backup quarterback situation, not great, but I do think that you saw if Davis Webb wasn't terribly you know sharp statistically on Friday night, uh, it looks like it's you know, like Ben McAdoo, like to say, it's not too big for him. He's definitely got the whole poise thing down. He was in command. You know, he broke the huddle. He was in command of the huddle, which, as we learned from the Jets, isn't exactly a given. And uh, I think, that you know, he, you saw some good things out of him. So those are some positives I take away from Friday night.
2: What stood out to you, Dan? Uh, yeah, I guess let me start with the negative and kind of follow uh, our conversation with the line. They better protect Eli because, whew, backup quarterbacks uh, was an adventure. I mean, Josh Johnson uh, just whew, did not – he looked like a quarterback who has not thrown a pass in a you know, regular season game since 2011. Just And the funny thing is he's bounced back a little bit in camp, so maybe it was just a lot of rust he had to knock off because he actually had a good preseason last year at the Ravens. Um, but, yeah, just whew, did not look good. Uh, Geno Smith looked a lot better. I mean, he looked like a quarterback who was a second-round pick at one point in time. But the turnovers i mean he threw one interception had another interception where he kind of got bailed out where there was a hold uh, away from the play uh, and then it has had a rough week in practice if you've been following along those reports i mean first time we've seen ben macken to make a player run a lap and it was it was geno put him over the edge with fumbles on consecutive plays uh, you know backed up around their own goal line so uh, not not the greatest way to build on whatever momentum he had on friday night um and the running game uh, another concern uh like i said Paul Perkins really had nowhere to run other than that one seven-yard run. Uh, I thought Orleans Darkwa uh, was clearly the best back. I mean, he only had three carries but picked up eighteen yards and just kind of does what he always does, which is hit the hole hard. Uh, you know, get get what's blocked and a little bit more because he you know he'll fall forward. Um, so like that was you know a little silver sort of lining in the running game because again there wasn't a heck of a lot of room to run for anybody. Uh, I thought Shane Smith, the fullback, uh, went a long way towards you know maybe. Not, not claiming a roster spots early for that, but putting himself a little bit more uh, in that picture because uh, you know, this offense desperately uh, needed uh, some help in the run game and, and Shane Smith, I talked to him this week and he said when, you know, they were recruiting him, you know, as an undrafted free agent, they said, you know, we really felt like a fullback was the missing piece. Now, maybe they just said that to get him to sign uh, and they feel like, well, at the end of the day, they can put Red Ellis on the backfield and he can handle those snaps. But Shane Smith showed a lot. I mean, he, he was really physical coming through the hole. He was the lead blocker on the, the fourth and one conversion for the starting offense. He made a nice catch and looked athletic I and mean, he just kind of did all the things you need to see out of a fullback and also play special teams, uh, which is really going to be his path to a roster spot. Uh, so that, that was uh, a bright spot. Um, other than that, <laughs> not a lot on offense that really jumped out. Even some of the, the guys who got in late probably looked the best. Uh, the, some of the young wide receivers like Jerome Lane, he's really kind of come on in camp. Not a guy who's going to make the roster I wouldn't expect, but uh, a guy to keep in mind for the practice squad. And like James said, defensively, it was exactly what we wanted to see from the first team offense. If, uh, if I remember the order right, it was uh, – first team defense three and out three and out interception interception something like that so I mean, you can't really do much better it's kind of picked up where they left off um so uh, that that's exactly what you expect to see from them uh, landon collins looks like he's in you know defensive player of the year form already bj goodson looked good on uh, the middle of the defense jay bromley showed up and that, that kind of followed what he's done in camp so pretty much everything on the defense was positive and uh that's obviously uh, what you'd expect from this unit
1: so now you guys take a trip to Cleveland, Monday Night Football. James, we were talking about this right before we hopped on to record this. The schedule is strange. I looked at it uh, right before we started to record just to just to kind of put the timeline of dates in my mind. And uh, you guys have the rest of this week and then no game over the weekend. And then Monday night and then what is it? You have three games in like 10 or 11 days?
0: Yeah, I think it's three games in 11 days. So they play Cleveland on Monday Night Football, Jets, Snoopy Bowl 7, I believe, which – I'm sure we'll talk about it next week's podcast, but it should be maybe the greatest Snoopy bowl of all time. The most anticipated one for sure. And then they'll have the, you know, go up to Foxborough that Thursday uh, for the final preseason game. Then they'll have cuts. And before you know it, it'll be week one and the giants will be getting ready to go down to Dallas. It- kind of has flown by and it's going to start really flying by. But yeah, it's a challenge. Ben McAdoo has been very kind of, he's kind of embraced it publicly, at least this three games and 11 day schedule. I think it's going to be interesting to see how, I mean, he's never really going to say much, but how they kind of balance playing time and everything, especially for the starters with that kind of condensed schedule. But uh, it's going to be a kind of a mad dash to the end of the preseason for the Giants. And then they'll be on to Dallas.
1: On to Dallas, probably without Ezekiel Elliott. We'll see how that appeal goes and what goes on down there. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that as we preview the season. Dan, as always, thanks for doing this. And a couple more, uh, we'll see us, We'll see everybody out at, uh, at Reds in Carlstadt. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, less than two weeks away. It's going to be fun. Episode 100, Reds Restaurant in Carlstadt, Monday, August 28th. Come out, we'll be doing this show live. Jonathan Casitas will be there. We'll have tickets to give away to Giants games this year. James, it's going to be a lot of fun. Enjoy Cleveland, and uh, we'll see you at Reds in a couple weeks. You got it, Joe. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode 98 of Talk is Cheap right here on NJ.com.